All right, so welcome to Art Fight Podcast. This is season six, episode three. Uh, I'm here with, uh, obviously, Sensei Joe Nolan and our special guest, Jody Hayes. Hey, Jody, thank Hi. you for being here. Thank you. Um, carry on as you were. You were saying. We were just saying that it's 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 a it's somewhat of it's a problem if you're an artist trying to get people to come out to one of your events or a musician trying to get people to come to your show or whatever. But it's ultimately it's a very good thing that there's so much going on in our scenes nowadays that people have to pick and choose what they actually can do and not do. Yeah, and <laughs> to give yourself and everybody else some grace for not being able to always be at the things all the time. Yeah. Show up when you can. <laughs> Do you think that the, uh, like, because obviously the city's growing so much and all that, um, do you think that it's proportional in terms of art happenings and culture? Do you think that sort of arts and culture are growing at the same proportion that the population is? Does that, does that make sense? Is it all kind yeah. of rising at the I same level? I think it's bigger, though. I think it's growing. I think it's growing faster than the push. Does that make sense? I mean, like, we didn't like whatever and compared to like the early 90s when there was nothing we're like fucking way beyond that now and well even like when Jules de Bancourt, when he <laughs> talked at Vanderbilt it was like I'm not saying nothing was happening but it was the artist talk that you went to that quarter uh-huh. and you you know and I'm not I don't want to be nostalgic although that was a great artist talk and mm. but there were and when was, there tell was me a, what year that was so people who don't live here maybe 07, 08 okay, somewhere okay. around there is when um Joseph Witt was still around, but... Uh, oh, right, yeah, I love that guy. <laughs> the idea that you would go to something and um, there were, there was still a collective conversation in person that you were having uh-huh. uh, with people has changed a little bit, but I also think like there's just a dog pile. I mean, this podcast might be a part of this, but um, things like, well, David King, you had him on here, Extended Play Press, like mm-hmm. creating these like archives of what's happening or this... I think that is, uh, or even just archives on Zeitgeist Gallery or David Lusk now being here. And I do think there's a dog pile of artists coming in and it's hard mm-hmm. to keep up with um, in great ways. Mm-hmm. Like it's, a, it's really good to not have the one lecture every three months that you go to. Like it's mm-hmm. impossible to go to all the things in one week now. Do you, think, to, right. do you think that it's kind of um, like, so like when we were growing maybe up, maybe it's just because I've had three kids and I just, <laughs> also it's it, like the opportunities have worked in inverse to like my available time. Right. Oh, right. You're less available and there's more going on. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt or, or you, Brian. Perhaps you have like a, uh, just an irrational perception of that because you have a fear of missing out because you have to miss out naturally <laughs> well, totally. more often. That's yeah. absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> All no, the time. What I was going to say is like, you know, like when we were growing up, um, we had, you know, whatever, three channels on television. There were, you know, a few radio stations. So what happens then and you know i think younger people now can't really understand fully what this was like but there was just this natural way that people we were can. on the same page <laughs> right wait. but people were naturally on the same page i think a little bit more because there were just because there were less because we shared like media in common yeah, like so we the, all watched the same mtv for five hours that day right <laughs> so, so i guess i just wonder like with respect to there being that many sort of more uh, points on the graph for say the the Nashville art community for or for a lot of these mid-sized kind of cities like this you know I just wonder if um, maybe there's a, a negative not negative but just a a slightly naturally disassociative element that is introduced because there's this fragmentation of all these different sort of quote-unquote scenes or um, uh, more concentrated geographies within an environment that are less perhaps uh, exposed to what else is going on? Does that make sense? You lost me a little bit. Well, hey, <laughs> short oh, there's that? more to do. No. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I just wonder if, like, if, if in that growth there's there's potentially a, a sort of a, a less than good impact because there's because there's more people creating, doing, having shows, uh, playing shows, whatever all the things are that are happening. It's not like what you're saying where there's the one talk per quarter that you mm-hmm. go to and everybody that's sort of involved in that community all went to that talk and they're all thinking about what perhaps that uh-huh. there's some s- s- more singular touchstones for the the culture yeah. uh, experientially as things progress right whereas like now it's just it's kind of a maelstrom of a lot of different mm-hmm. uh, sort of things and you can kind of pick and choose a lane and you know I, I think that like for instance uh, with the uh, recent uh, North Nashville show at the Frist um, you know like that's really you know clearly a, a part of the draw of that is 
a, a particular sort of regional to the city mm-hmm. highlighting that perhaps has been underserved up mm-hmm. to this point but that certainly was not the way that people thought 20 years ago about like well what's going on in that part of town right yeah 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 i gotcha mm-hmm. yeah i think it's i think yeah i guess it, i guess it's sort of i mean it kind of works it's just like all these things it sort of works both ways i believe you know what i mean there's 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 things that make it be, that make it great that we have all that going on and there's things that make it difficult that we have all that going on you know what i mean so I don't know. It just it's all it's all part of the mix. It's like we've talked about a million times. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like this. You know, everything's changed in just everything's just changed. And I, you know, decided a while back that it's like okay, I'm gonna just ride this and <laughs> see as best I can because it certainly doesn't care yeah. what I think. Right. <laughs> everything's changed, and we are going out, Joe. You can just leave. <laughs> <laughs> this might just be me, but I think every everything has changed, but also I am of an age and stage where I would need to readjust anyway and say, oh, I am now not young. I am now not 28 and mm-hmm. new to Nashville and wanting to do whatever. Um, so yes, things there's more opportunity and things to do, If or I don't know if that's the same thing, but also I am very aware of not wanting, like I want to, I'd be very intentional about wanting to encourage the new 28 year olds or 22 year olds who are, who are leaving art school at UT and coming in and have fresh ideas. And like, I wanna be the thing that um, I didn't see as much because there weren't as many people here then. That's true, yeah. And that that's actually a muscle that I have to exercise. That's not like, I have to remember, I'm, 40, I'm 43. And I want to be someone who sees what the young people are doing and is interested and encourages yeah. that, and like, and also wants to go to Terry Thacker's studio because he's right, you know, not forty three, but whatever, right. and making work and it has for so long. So right, right. I want to so take Jedi a master. I want to take a, <laughs> I want to take a week long mushrooms uh, binge and find myself in the woods. Yeah, I feel you. We'll have Andres back on soon. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, I mean, but well, getting also turning the corner a little bit too. Like Joe, you you wrote this piece in the scene uh, recently that focused on a lot of different artist spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, congrats on that. That was a really cool piece, by the way. Yeah, man. Um, thank you. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the impacts that I see that really you ended up sort of highlighting really well is it's sort of like as the built environment continues in, in all the neighborhoods and all the when I first got here in 98 even it was the whole place was like this weird playground of abandoned places and Mm. interesting weird corners and you felt like you were this kind of kind of a visitor to this like moonscape of whatever this place is or it thinks it is right now and there's a lot of room to roam Uh, well I moved here my route was basically I grew up in North Carolina then went to New York then went to Seattle then I came to Nashville Mm. then went back to New York then came back to Seattle or back to Nashville Mm -hmm. um so I came here that time when I first moved here in 98 it was from Seattle but mm-hmm. I'd only been in Seattle for a couple of years okay um, but anyway so um, so you know as like I said as the built environment picks up and there, there's less and less of these kind of places mm-hmm. um, you know everything's much more formalized and mm-hmm. owned and you know where once maybe underground things were happening you know uh, clubs or right. art galleries or whatever it was like now that is you know, seven-story, um, you know, condos uh, going for six hundred thousand dollars a pop. So, uh, it, as a result of some of that, it seems like that a lot of the spaces have turned into more. Like, it's almost like everything's kind of gone internal. People are solving for art spaces that are uh, adventurous uh, by utilizing the space that they have, as opposed mm. to the outer space that once was. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Huh. Yeah. Why do I have to follow everything I'm saying with, does that make yeah. sense? I guess it's because sometimes I don't really make sense. No, that's good. No, I think it's good. We all want to be clear. We all want to know that we're heard. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I need. I think also there, it's a little, I think it, it probably is a lot of that, just the, you know, where am I? Because I can't afford to like rent a space, whatever, or squat in that yeah. building. I think it's also that people are more interested in like now that Nashville has uh like a dominant commercial healthy neighborhood of commercial galleries mm-hmm. there's i don't know five six seven eight ten i don't know how many there are then it frees you up to not have to 
do that mm. if you want to do a pop-up space if you want to do that's a good something point. in your garage yeah. like david lusk is there zeitgeist is there there, yeah. there are spaces that are the frist is there doing what they do right. well so you can do something a little funkier that adds to right. the scene that those guys and women can't do right, right? so I, yeah. I think it's also like hmm who's who's where is there where is there a lack or a need yeah. or a uh-huh. opportunity where it highlights the the, the gaps mm-hmm. for sure yeah. this what well for anybody who doesn't know it's uh i wrote this piece for the nashville scene nashvillescene.com uh, it's called Art House. It's about uh, like alternative art spaces, and many of those are like places like uh, Jody has in her backyard, where you have a, a building that's both a an apartment that you rent out along with your studio, which you also curate shows in like twice a year, and then you have art exhibition openings in your backyard. Yes. And uh, so it's it's a story about that stuff, and one of the big parts of the story is exactly this point that it fills in the gaps. One of the reasons I ended up writing that story is because I talked to Joe Christie at. Uh, Red Arrow one night hmm. after he I think his show had just gone up at Gallery Bang Bang which is uh, a gallery in a dining room in a neighborhood west of or east of Nashville um, and uh, and Joe and I got to talking about it and it was really that conversation with him that I really sort of got like a better idea of like man there could be if yeah. I had enough places to talk about I could make a whole story about this and it was partly because he told me he teaches and so he makes his money teaching people how to do art and he's like I do that like I became a teacher because I don't want to have to make money to make art like mm-hmm. I want to be able to make my art without having to worry about whether I can sell it or not you know but if you're coming from a point of view of I don't care if this ever sells to anybody it's hard to bargain in good faith with a commercial gallery right because they're they're like we're gonna sell the shit out of this right and you're like i don't care you know? <laughs> right. so he's like so he's like that opportunity and the, the false the false dichotomy of that too yeah that, of, what, of what of um i don't care i have a job to make my money and i and i and i and that can't be also uh that also can't work at a commercial space uh-huh what now? Now did that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> I I think that yeah. someone someone like Joe or like I, I do think that there's a lot of I've had this freedom of having like the full time gig right. whether it's for me it was in academia, and you do have a lot of freedom to kind of uh, explore. I think though you still have that with a gallery that. Uh-huh. is a good fit for you yeah exactly so i agree just want to like yeah complexify it a little bit it's not impossible to do wantonly whatever uh-huh. you feel like doing without any regard for its commerciality and also have a gallery support you and succeed and still sell work is, is that kind of what you're saying yeah. yeah, you could put all that together somehow. That could happen. Yeah, yeah. I think it doesn't Joe, have to be yeah. either. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even want to. I'm just used. I don't want to use Joe as an example anymore because I yeah. feel like I'm going to end yes, up putting yes. words in his mouth. Sorry, specifically. Joe. We, but what I'm getting just, at is just the idea that let's call him. Like it's basically what you were just saying, where it's like for certain artists having that having a good fit with a commercial gallery is a lot harder. Yes. So for somebody who feels that way having a show in somebody's dining room is mm. great because mm-hmm. now they can still have an audience you can still open a box of wine did you go to gallery you can do all that. I, you know i wanted to go but i ended up being uh, out of town i, got, I went i like, didn't know i was gonna be out of town in the middle of the day yeah there's this uh i didn't quite know who i was texting now i know who it was but i was just like that's oh, someone who says yes going in i'll i'll make sure the automatic lock is <laughs> unlocked so i get there i text them and i walk in uh-huh. with my daughter and it's the middle of the day where no one's in there but us <laughs> never been to this neighborhood uh-huh. in my life uh it was it was for joe's show it was lovely and then um my daughter used the restroom i texted them and said my daughter used the restroom <laughs> everything's clean we're leaving thank you you know but it was that was also a really a sense of i i think joe knows me and you must know that i'm not gonna like walk in and yeah do weird things in your house. <laughs> it, was, it was just a whole other level of, uh, I mean, my, my, the daddy's in our backyard, so there is a right. measure of disconnect between like where we actually live and where Separate we structure. Work. Yeah. But you're also, you also don't leave the gate and the door open for people just to come and go as they want to. Like you're there at a formal sort of reception yeah. until a certain time and then show's closed and if somebody wanted to come see something later, I suppose they could contact you somehow or whatever. I've done by appointment some if, if yeah. people want to come and see the work. And yeah. It's weird the way everybody has to work it out but it's it's interesting that given the way that the technology works nowadays, it's like 
Yeah, I can open and close the door all day long. Mm -hmm. I can I can watch you look at the art from a distance if I want, probably. Yeah. <laughs> that should almost be an exhibit or some sort of an angle unto itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the fact that you can have yeah, web-enabled door locks and cameras. Right. You could be this kind of weird offer this kind of Wizard of Oz experience for yeah, you people. Yeah, you can have an exhibition at the house and so people are coming to see the paintings on the wall but then at the same time you also have other people coming to see the video installation of people looking at the exhibition. Meta. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, well, I so, like it. Um, for those that don't know you, Jody, maybe you can give some background real quick on just sort of your path and, and your experiences and what you've been making and doing. Just the whole story. It's no big deal. All of it. Yeah. Um, I am from Arkansas, and I went to art school, graduated from University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Promptly after graduation, I moved to Boston, where I spent my 20s, pretty much, um, and moved here in 2005, never really having spent time in Nashville. We moved for my husband's job, so um, we were collectively done with like Boston but not necessarily the Northeast so you know the the doors open maybe for someday but um we moved to Nashville and I literally had just like driven through Nashville on I-40 on my way home to Arkansas um between like Knoxville and Hot Springs where I'm from so I was familiar with like the exit to take to gas up but (laughs) so I've lived here since um and make paintings that are up not red arrow um somewhat uh informed by landscape and the built environment and architecture so all these conversations are interesting um sometimes you can see that through titles in my work um sometimes through iconography but um like stripes and grids but uh and and the nature of your work medium wise perhaps you can elaborate on as well yeah i make oil paintings but they're paintings that include textiles increasingly more textiles and sewing also spray paint and Mm -hmm. uh screen printing techniques although i generally use oil paint to do it um acrylic ink yeah cool i don't people always ask about medium like oil paint i'm like oh that doesn't that doesn't uh tell you much except it just takes longer to dry. It takes longer to dry. Uh, the new the new pieces actually that are pretty big, ninety six by ninety six inches tall by seventy four wide. Um, a lot of the underpainting is acrylic. Yeah. So I didn't just well, just yeah, the toxic. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a visual artist in this way or painter, but I did learn in my brief paint, painting class experience that mm-hmm. a way to save a lot of money is to build up texture with acrylic and then do oil over it. Mm-hmm. Is that why, or is it just because or am I wrong? Was that dumb that I'd not, no, that I just say something true. really dumb? I don't, I don't, um, I hadn't thought about the texture part, but I, um, I had started making a couple of years ago works with ink as an underpainting, um, with its connections to kind of more uh, democratic, democratic mediums and printmaking and, mm-hmm. and the pen and, uh, books and stuff. So I started that with ink and I really liked on rabbit skin glue, I'm gonna get art nerdy a little bit. Mm-hmm. On rabbit skin glue, which is kind of sizing, um, when you brush on ink or acrylic, even oil, it it stays in a certain way that makes sense to me. Like the integrity of the brush strokes, they, they don't seep or run or anything. Um, so there's that, but also large scale, it was a good way to, um, my layers are pretty thin, to just not get, uh, so messed up with fumes. Oh, because mm. these are like ninety six inches tall. Yeah, yeah less but, toxic. I've got yeah, they're, ma- they're kids really, and cats really, that come through my yeah. studio door and yeah, they're super big. Yeah, <clears throat> too. You've got like there's a one big wall at the Red Arrow Gallery, and uh, you've got two giant paintings on it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's it. Just those two big paintings. Yeah, they look really good. Thanks. The one on the like when you're looking at them, the one on the left that has like the the sort of gesture like strokes you know going through it and mm-hmm. you just all see all the brush lines and everything yeah it's really nice i really Thank like you. that i was looking at that one today i can very much relate <laughs> i can very much relate with your uh entry to nashville in the sense that uh so i, mean, I grew up in north carolina only about seven hours drive from here hmm. and how many times did i come to nashville in my life 
Yeah, <laughs> prior I'm to that, seven none. the other way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely none. And then, uh, and I moved to New York. Then I moved to Seattle. And then it's very similar to what you're talking about, where uh, because like my uh, first wife, uh, she needed to be here for music considerations, and so we left Seattle. It's kind of like her coming for her job, basically, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and. I was out in, we were out in Seattle because it was kind of like my thing that I was doing out there, but she was sort of pulled into territory that was not helpful to what she needed to be doing. So then when it came time to like turn the corner, she had some opportunities, you know, we're gonna go to Nashville. So um, she went ahead and came here and I, like I said, had never even been here. And I just remember, and this is before people had cell phones and all this. So I remember I I had everything in a U-Haul and my car on a trailer and I I drove from Seattle and I drove I just decided that I was just gonna drive nonstop. I just decided like, I'm just gonna do this. Like, hard, like if I'm by myself, I can I can kind of not sleep. I can stay up for a couple of days, you know, and just tweak out or whatever. As long as I don't have to be normative for anyone else. Like, I can, Sounds horrifying. It sounds horrifying. So so basically I drove, uh, like, you know, two and a half day, two days or whatever it was, straight, just nonstop. I mean, I pulled over once and just if kind of fell over the seat. my son's ever listened to this podcast, don't do, do not it. do yeah. it. Just <laughs> no cell phone, right? You're just kind of out there and, uh, uh, well, the reason why I decided not to stop is because I had all my possessions. I had all this weird mm. like music gear and all kinds of stuff that I just, I was like, if I get broken into while I'm sure. asleep catching Z's at some cheap hotel, I'm never gonna forgive myself. Mm. No matter how much I lock this thing up, like somebody could get in here. I don't know, I was just yeah. like, yeah. Uh, so anyway, I was like, screw it, I'll just do it. But anyway, I remember by the time I got to Nashville, I was basically hallucinating. <laughs> and I had, you know, this is back in those days when like if you needed to make a phone call, while you were driving, you had to go pull off and go find a payphone or whatever. First of all, you didn't have to make a phone call while you were driving. I, I got, I <laughs> Those two things of, didn't yeah. exist together. It was great. Um, so anyway, I but I, I re- I'll never forget this. I didn't really have, because we didn't have Google Maps, right? And I had like some maps, but I was too delirious to like read, like I didn't really have specific directions. My idea was just like, I'll get to Nashville and then I'll call, the, call everybody and say, hey, I'm here, where do I go? Right. <clears throat> But I, th- call, I just thought, call, well, I will at least intelligently I'll try to put- I'll drive to Nashville and call Porter Wagner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, this is you close to what I did. Yeah. This is close but, to what Yeah, because here's what I did. is uh, This is how little I knew about Nashville when I moved here. I, I drove into Nashville and I just thought, well, I'm gonna put myself sort of what I believe to be in the middle of kind of the concentration of everything, and then I'm gonna like pull over and call them. Mm-hmm. So what did I do? I got off at the Opryland exit because I just thought, surely this is like the heart of Nashville. Like right. I, didn't, I didn't know shit. Right. And so I pull, you know, I, you know for those who don't know Nashville, right, Opera Land is sort of the, on the- It's the Unryman. Yeah, and it's just, it's like, it's the, uh, it, it's where, it's wherever the amusement park is in your city or wh- wherever it was, that's where Opera Land and, and uh, all that was, it's on the yeah. outskirts of the city. And it's all just like a whole tourist, the whole exit's just tourism yeah, basically. It's just huge, and just, malls. Yeah, yeah, it's just huge parking lots yeah. and all that. This is before it was a mall, right? So oh. uh, it was just oh, kind of like- The amusement park was still there. Hmm. Or was it between? It, had, it, it, was, it had just closed. Oh, okay. Uh, but anyway, so I, that was just, I remember I called them and, and I was like, okay, so I don't know where I am, but I, you know, I'm at, I'm around Opryland, so I should be pretty close, huh? And they were like, "Uh, you've got like another 20 minutes, <laughs> like just where were they at? They were there in West Nashville on this side of town. Oh, but, yeah. but I was just like, uh, I just remember it being like, ah, oh, like so deflated, like I to drive another 20 minutes. Like I thought I was there. I thought I, I thought yeah. I was being smart. Like I put myself right in the middle of all the hot spots in Nashville. Like no, I didn't know anything. So I just can relate very much to your. Your uh, your experience of, of coming here and just not having any idea like, yeah. what was going on, and I think we we moved straight to the east side, and that was a, a different place too. But um, and st- still is in that um, east side back then. It was just not a lot of Nashville natives. It was it, I liken it to like at, at UT when I transferred to UT from art school and went to art school at UT, um, they put all the transfer students on one high, in one high-rise dorm. It could have been like two or three floors of the dorm, but and that was not helpful at all because none of us knew how to register for classes, like this giant new university. Like So we were all, so I get what they were trying to do, like, look, none of you know what you're doing, now you're together. Commune over but that. But none of us yeah. could help each other, so uh-huh. you had to find someone from the outside. So I do think Eastside for a while was a little like, like no one from the West Side's coming over here None of us are from here. We can't really 
like that's really did contribute to a community of Eastsiders that are just like whatever you don't cross the river we don't either you know to a fault um yeah <laughs> the river definitely has a, a, a strange divide here and it's not really it doesn't make any sense because uh like i'm i'm we're sitting here in sort of deep west nashville like this is very far west nashville and then where you are is pretty deep east nashville and uh it it is like a, a 16 15 18 minute drive like as long as there's no if it's as long as it's not rush hour it's so easy to get from here to there. It's not that far. Right. Like, yeah. People don't consider, like you don't probably consider yourself that far from like Woodbine or South Nashville, but that's actually probably harder to get to and further away mm-hmm. than the, this kind of polarity of the West Side, mm-hmm. which I find very mm-hmm. interesting. There's a lot of perceived kind of boundaries, but it is sort of like, uh, for those listening in New York, it's basically like East Side is. <laughs> for basically, those listening in New York, yeah, yeah. they're no longer listening. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> no, just, if you if you know New York City, let's just put it that way, then then the East Side here has become sort of what Williamsburg is now. Um, and then I would say that it's the, because everyone from I, I say all the like kind and smart hipsters from Williamsburg or from they they just all moved to East Nashville right because they're a little the more practical yeah they're like oh yeah it's cheaper the there and like practical uh, the kinder gentler hipster um, welcome to the practical hipster <laughs> I I had in my speaking of maps living in Boston and using maps to drive I took the subway the first couple of years and we got a car and there was a sense coming to Nashville in terms of like making sense of your city and looking at a a map and trying to figure out where you are. Um, I do think, I do, I do think my paintings are, I think of them a lot like a map, like a folded map. Ah, I I can see that. Something that um, for memories or other things, but coming to Nashville, I had an idea of like how long it took to get from one inch to the, from one side of an inch to another on a map. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in Nashville, like using the same uh, map legend at the bottom, yeah. it took half the time than Boston. So that was a, that's something I I've like forgotten. That, yeah. Like a, an, a, an inch on a piece of paper is, it means it's 15 minutes or it's yeah. an hour. <laughs> or half the time here, that's a trip. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you're in LA, you know, it's like, uh, okay, I thought I was only 10 miles from right. something, but that actually means two and a half hours. Right. Yes, yeah, yeah, an yeah. inch in LA is four hours. Yeah, the, <laughs> the inch is very deceiving in LA. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're using metrics. It sort of it reminds me of traveling out west, actually, and being like driving around, like, you know, through like Wyoming and Montana and those kinds of areas. Yeah. And we would be, I, I just took a you know, long road trip with a friend of mine right out of college. And, and when we got to that part of the country, we would be projecting that okay, and by then we'll be here. And little by little, it start we started like failing our goals because we started realizing that <laughs> this inch is like half of it's going up, <laughs> the, the other half is going forward. But now you're going about as half as fast yeah. because you're spending most of the day mm. just climbing over these mountains. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's interesting <laughs> how people relate to space in that way. Like, like I was in South Dakota last summer, and out there in the middle of nowhere South Dakota and out there you know it's beautiful it, it really is but people are just like well I'm, I'm gonna go to the store I'll be back tonight you yeah know? exactly yeah. <laughs> like the, they literally go that's drive what, that's your afternoon <laughs> and, and it's, it's not even remotely thought about as weird that they're gonna go drive like three or three and a half hours mm. to go do some errands and yeah. then drive three three and a half hours back by nightfall kind of thing oh, right. my sister in Houston does the same thing yeah and it's just like She'll say, well, is it really close where the kids go to school? And I'm like, well, I mean, this year it's actually a little further. That means it's a mile away, not two blocks. <laughs> my inch has now become like so quarter inch. And then like, I, I noticed, I'm not sure if this is one of the pieces that's in your current round, but um, there was something about lines and lineage. Does that resonate or does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like there, there was something about the shape and form of, of line uh, in the work that you had sort of at least by title inferred something with respect to to lineage am i yeah yeah so what i was doing with this last body of work um i the stuff that's at red arrow right stuff that's at red arrow right now that the work is called tend the show is called Mm -hmm. tend and one of the pieces is called tend too um and they're bigger than one inch on a piece. Of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, it takes 15 minutes to, <laughs> to view the painting. It takes you one inch from here to get to Red Arrow Gallery. Yeah, um, yeah, so the work is informed by finding one's place in um, 
finding my own iconography within painting, which has kind of settled in the last 10 years on the grid and connections to windows and doors, mm. all those associations with the grid, like the painting, a painting and Renaissance was a window and then perspective was introduced and all those associations. And then also the metaphors that you then start to um, burn through with, with ideas of like windows and borders and fences and walls. And um, this series of work, I, I had um, been doing some works on paper. I do work on paper every day. And, um, or let's just say five days a week. There's a couple of days I think <laughs> um, But in those works, um, a lot of the the grid that I'm playing around with, start I start to um, divert it or mess it up or see where it sags or fails. Th- those are the interesting parts of the grid to me, like upholding the system, but then finding your way around it. Um, so kind of, in this work, how that relates is if the grid of painting is your materials or the threads of the, of the fabric or or the scaffolding of history or um, even like the drip of a paint drip of paint, which is associated with masculinity and Jackson Pollock and expression, um, then where is it that I find myself in in that in that lineage of painting? So that was kind of one part of it, and the other side of the coin was thinking about a uh, if it's possible to think through a maternal lineage to painting and what mm. because that that's the one that I occupy it's the one that wasn't talked about so much in like um, when I was learning about painting in the early years but um, so through that I started to think about um, threads and uh, using found fabrics and kind of these more um, gendered materials but overlaying with them with the grid, um, and it's it's kind of subtle. I don't think it's uh-huh. um, something that I'm not making um, fiber art, but I'm making mm-hmm. paintings that kind of have to do with like the seams and the kind of the sides of paintings and calling attention to those small moves. That one might. thing one thing I was going to say about that though is that one of the pieces that I really like, I talked to you about this at the opening as well, is like when you're standing in front of that big that big painting on the left I was talking about. It's called you, Footnotes. Footnotes. When you turn right around, you've got a whole little suite of paintings hanging up on the opposite wall. And one of the paintings in there is literally all fabric. It's like it's like mm-hmm. just a patchwork of fabric that you've stretched on on a stretcher. Mm-hmm. And um, with two, there are two parts that are painted, but oh, there are. it essentially looks okay. like a quote. Well, interesting. I didn't realize there was any paint on there. Was there like like that orange section? Is that painted? Or the pink is it corner pink and then corner, the white stripe like, is... Yeah. Okay, so those are both painted. Yeah, that pink corner is beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that one's mean? almost all... I mean, that's like the most extreme example of this, I yeah. would say. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's cool. But see, it's like it also reminds me of like people I know who when they paint they just like to go on raw canvas and they don't even necessarily cover the entire canvas there'll be areas where the canvas is just coming through and they're painting mm-hmm. and that's just part of the texture and the look of the painting you know what I mean mm-hmm. and so I like the idea of like I mean in a sense you're the this uh, texture of these fabrics is obviously like intentionally there as a visual composition but it's also the substrate you know what I mean yeah and it's it, a context right like in the same way that in that really big painting footnotes like the context is abstract expressionism I'm mm-hmm. kind of inserting myself into that mm-hmm. just by the scale of the work and this sounds <laughs> yeah, it's rad. super hubrisy I love it um, no, well, it's also bring like, it on it's I love a, the hubris you're creating an object <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 and, and I'm finding my way through it and then you add um, what is happening with the I love a big um, trails or the brushstrokes. Yeah. I do too. It's yeah, a blessing big and a curse. Expressionistic painting. Um, but yes. then the, <laughs> the the works behind it, like the ones if you're in the gallery, the smaller ones, sixteen by twelves. Um, you can say something really different in a like a piece that's the size of your torso or head, and it's gonna feel very different than like enter entering this giant context so that small piece that you're talking about with the textiles and what's the name of that piece Bowie? that one's called corner Cor- oh there you go um and <laughs> there's another one in in the uh, mezzanine called um edge and it's also with found um fabric the and all most of the found fabrics have a substrate or a, um stripes 
mm-hmm. which are my kind of iconography and like the lane that I know that I'm in most of the time anyway mm-hmm. um, but you there's a there's a lived in context for those mm-hmm. materials which I find not always works but can work mm-hmm. when there's a whole other show of other paintings that are kind of talking to it mm. how important is uh lighting with respect to how you present your work or is it not as so important it's sort of you take it as it comes i like lights because sometimes nes cuts off the power like the night of an opening and we're we're we that happened right i remember we are that. buying uh flashlights at rite aid like 20 minutes before the opening yeah. um that was was that two years ago? That was two years ago. Yeah, that yeah. was a fun opening. And it was a November opening. And you still so it was dark. It. <laughs> Unforgettable. It was, it was fun. They did come back on yeah. like halfway through. Everybody but. showed up and the gallery was totally dark and you walked into the door and they hand you a mini flashlight and you just Perfect. walk around and look at the art. It That's was great. I mean it's almost Do it again. Like, it was almost it's yeah, it was almost like something to plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'd be fun to do a Halloween show like that. You know what I mean? Do like spooky art show, and it's all dark, and you need a flashlight and you're looking sure. around. That'd a be haunted a house of conceptual so ideas. Is that yeah, what you exactly. mean by? I mean, lights no, I are just, super important. I guess. Well, you're talking a lot about abstract expressionism, and you're talking about rabbit glue. You're talking about a lot of things that remind me of, like, say, Rothko's work uh, in terms of a lot of his material and conception. And so I, and I was just thinking about, you know, how for him lighting was everything Hmm. if this piece was not lit and positioned and everything just so it was very disconcerting you know he had very good reasons for how this would be presented in a certain way and if all of a sudden it's in a you know so and i feel like if i were a painter i feel like um i would be probably ridiculously attuned yeah. To that, like in a way that would be annoying yeah. to probably galleries think, or whatever. I think most good painter, I can assume that most people, Brene Brown says to believe like the most generous thing you can about everybody, um, just to make it pop culture in here. Um, and I think that that's true of painters, like you or artists, like they have good reasons for all the things. It might not be the foot they're leading with. Like I'm not going to go in and ask for a certain kind of ball, but I will if it's like, too orange or too weird or mm-hmm. um <clears throat> yeah lighting it, all that stuff like geek out on all of it um yeah i just don't know like i just don't i mean i'm just i'm not very um cultured joe i'm sorry <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, but like but with, with respect to galleries i feel like that there's not a lot of very like they kind of just have their space <clears throat> and you can put stuff in here and that's great but i don't see a lot of like really deep attenuation to mm. presentation with respect to light <clears throat> in a space relative to to work on the walls right mm-hmm. i don't Generally i mean speaking, i'm not at this point just a stockholder <clears throat> that's making work that anticipates fans and heat and yeah. like gel cat you know maybe that's yeah. in my future at some point but this show <laughs> is a show of paintings and um yeah. kind of what that can mean mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and i'm not saying like go so far as to like have stage lighting i'm uh, trying I'm to think like, uh-huh. about rothko yeah. have you been to the rothko chapel in houston yeah so i don't of course he considered that whole space because they designed it around these paintings but i don't remember the light maybe it's just because it's all I, I went during the day, so it's all. You can only go during the windows. day. Windows. Yeah, huh. um, it's a skylight. It's natural, but the skylight that's in there, well, up until recently, was the second. So there was the original original iteration of the skylight in the Rothko Chapel, as he intended and as those intended. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> as a, as it probably happens a lot, I think a lot of artists uh, would like to have structures and glass and infrastructure be a certain way for a certain effect or yield but the realities of the reason why shit's not built that way <laughs> yeah. like, sort of set in and so uh, they had to redo uh, the skylight for the Rothko Chapel in the 70s and then uh, they're actually redoing all that again right now mm. it's closed right now I did the mm. I, I, for their 40th anniversary so I I I studied that building and the architecture and everything about it for probably about two years straight. He um, says he's not Ivalutin. Uh, <laughs> they asked me to do uh, a, a site-specific composition and performance there mm. to mark their 40th anniversary of the Rothko Chapel. Wow, that's cool. So I basically dropped my whole life to go and study that and 
learn every little thing about okay. all of that so that I could make this music composition performance piece there. Uh, and so I, unfortunately that's like the one thing that I just know something about. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, but yeah, but it, with respect to light, I know that he was very, very uh, particular in, in a way that makes sense yeah. to me. And I know that you kind of have to, especially if you're the, whatever you're, <clears throat> I don't know, the, the Met, you know, or something. It's like, we can't have like unique, boutique uh, mm -hmm. lighting right. for everything. We got a bunch of stuff we need to show. Mm -hmm. Well, to stay in the same neighborhood of the Rothko Chapel across the street um, at the Cy Twombly yeah. or you know, around there. Yeah, the yeah. Cy Twombly Museum. Yeah, and the Manila and all that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I went with my family and my dad and I were there at the, I think we had kind of lost other, maybe they were next door at the Manila, but it was just my dad and I and we were... Um, in the Cy Twombly Museum, and and I don't think they were trying to get rid of us. I think just it was the end of the day. We were the only ones in there. No mm -hmm. one else was probably coming in. So the guard said to my dad and I, I don't know if this is true. I think I researched it at some point, but forgotten. But he said, actually, Cy Twombly wanted you to see the paintings without any artificial light. So he turned down mm. the lights, and yes. my dad and I had like 15 minutes yeah. to just take in those giant paintings yeah. and well, let our eyes like make sense of what was happening instead of like light telling us no it's unbelievable in there because they have that mesh so the whole idea is that there's no have you been Joe no there's the okay. whole idea is that there's no shadows to be cast anywhere Joe with the rest of the New Yorkers is now not <laughs> listening either <laughs> <laughs> well, but, well, no, people, listen. people should know about Houston because shit is going shit is deep in Houston it's mm -hmm. badass mm -hmm. like some of the most incredible stuff I've ever seen is in Houston mm -hmm. but uh, but yeah that building a lot of good Asian food in Houston like, there's the, the side, the side. and my sister and, yeah but the side Twombly she's talking about this structure like the main feature of it is about i think it's about 150 foot long mm -hmm. work in there that's in this giant room but the they have these white um sort of mesh um fabric uh pieces all through the top and it diffuses all the light in oh, such I a see. way that it's so it's all so natural no light. shadows things. it's yeah by yeah. design it's to have all natural light but it diffuses it in such a way that mm. everything's just kind of illuminated but there's no shadows yeah that's cool is really cool. I was going to mm -hmm. say, like a lot of what you're talking about. I mean, I think in it with, uh, you know, I've installed museum shows where people needed special lighting consideration of one kind or another, or the designers decided they wanted that. And there's there's a lot of thought given mm -hmm. to it at like that, like at the institutional level. And there's a lot of things that you can do, like like at Cheekwood, they used to have that display of uh, of. Um, uh, Fabergé eggs and that was like oh, yeah. a completely dark room yeah. and then we had like the lights just shining down but it was like with the kind of like shuttered lenses or whatever mm -hmm. so that you can actually make just a square of light come right down on a square <clears throat> thing you can do it but at, like at a gallery level they just I mean they're flipping shows every month and yeah. it's like I don't know I mean to, <laughs> to give props to uh, our Memphis friend uh, Matt who runs Topps Gallery uh huh yeah, and like tell, so tell him what Tops is. So cool. <laughs> it's this um, cavern, Matt Ducklow runs it, and it's step, steps away from the Civil Rights Museum and um, maybe like a block or two. Huh. So mm -hmm. it's around there in Memphis, and it's an old, it's the basement, and it's like the coal chute room. Mm -hmm. So he had to clean, like, is this committed yeah. to clean this place out. And the now, I mean, it definitely is brick f funky dark uh -huh. dark walls and there's still like a weird doorway that opens up weird. onto the sidewalk Everything is where they weird used to doorways. dump the coal down into this coal shed room yeah but the, <laughs> but the, the uh, floors I mean check out images online the floors of the space are this gleaming epo white epoxy like Whoa. beautiful so you have this contrast already of like oh, it also brightens up the space yeah right but one of the best shows I've seen there um, was Screen Door about a year ago of paintings and I wrote about it but uh, Matt has a is a photographer so I went to him went to school with him at UT Knoxville oh cool I didn't know the that connection class. yeah um, so he's up in New York when we were in Boston and lost touch a little bit but he's back in Memphis and he um, because of his background he's smart and does these like great shows has really uh, really great tricks on how to direct light in a space in any space when spaces like that so you look up into these like funky rafters and he's got 
lights pointed, but there's these like makeshift foil like direction <laughs> yeah. uh, reflectors. Yeah. Reflect- yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was really um, the things that you don't. I think when lighting works, it's when you don't notice it. When you notice the work, so yes. I guess that's what that's yeah. the kind of lighting I like is so that you yeah. don't. Th- think about right the lighting that you're not thinking like that's a funky color of light yeah, yeah. on the middle of my painting that you can see the work <laughs> the middle of my painting yeah yeah and i know like i wonder too even with like large scale work do you have like <clears throat> so like roth go back to him for a second like i know that he wanted the work to, like, he had the way that he related to the work and the large scale paintings and he wanted the audience to kind of see it from the same, like ideally in a perfect world, right? These things are, um, as he painted in the studio, people are perceiving it at the same sort of various levels of interaction he would physically have with the work mm-hmm. in the in sort of a gallery interaction or whatever. <clears throat> but I guess I'm just wondering, like with respect to your larger scale pieces, if you have, because of course lighting is like a huge deal, but like how high you hang something or w- where you choose to hang something, uh, symmetrically or asymmetrically or whatever mm-hmm. do you have special considerations that you kind of play around with with respect to that or is it just kind of like adapt to the space or both or you know so I made these two pieces uh, I wanted to make four but a studio sublease that fell through and so I could fit two of these in my studio like pretty capably it mm. was a tight but um, I wanted to make them so I did um, but I knew that they would be first shown at at Red Arrow, which is pretty generous in terms of the, the ceilings. The ceilings are maybe 20 feet high. Yeah. Um, so that wasn't, I didn't have to consider that, which is great. I might in the way that I move them, and but I'd like for them to be shown in spaces mm-hmm. where that's not really, you don't have to think about it. Like this is, these are, this is the kind of work that you will show in spaces that have enough room right. to where that's not something they've got a big garage door so you can just take them right through the big front. garage door yeah. yeah or even still I guess my question is like sort of but why not hang it where it's it's only sitting six inches off the floor right. versus yeah did you have you much did you have much input in the actual installation no of the show? what I did this time because I had seen a show that um, the gallery assistant had curated in the spring and I liked the way that she arranged Ashley? it Ashley uh-huh. yeah so Ashley Landecker she's a painter as well from yeah UT. Um, she had curated a show in that space. And the first time I showed in this space, I had the maquette, the architectural like foam core model, and I planned it all out. But this time, having known the space and seen that Ashley, she gave, it was a three-person show in the spring with Brian Edmonds. And, oh, it was a really um, good show. I'm blanking on I the other two. I can't remember the three painters' names. Yet, three abstract painters. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Bryce Speed. And Brian great. Edmonds, and thank you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember. But I like that she gave <laughs> each of the pieces that. space, and she didn't kind of ticky tack uh, arrange them by size or whatever. So my only directive was: here's the work I've given you a lot, so you can edit out what you need to. Oh, cool. Don't, yeah. don't Make it hang collaborative. It yeah. Yeah. I was like, I've given you a lot, and my only directive is um, give each piece space. Yeah, and that's a big enough gallery that it's it's. It's hard. It'd be hard to crowd it, really. I mean, you've got a lot of room, if even for large paintings, you know, to go in. Uh, but yeah, it's a really good looking show. It looks really good. like I said. I was able to go there again today, and there's a lot more sort of like business hustle bustle going on there during the week. But it was, it was, you know, I was still able to just kind of hang out and look at mm. the show a little bit. You mm-hmm. know, looked really, really good. She did a really good job on the layout and everything. Yeah, she did. I I, I didn't think much about um, how high or. I mean, I, I think those are there's a time and place to do that. I wanted this show to be kind of nailing my mask to the sales in terms of this is who I am. Mm-hmm. These are the kinds of works I'm making. So I didn't want there to be a lot to um, take away or distract from. I didn't want, th- things can feel gimmicky, I think. And I just wanted yeah, the work to yeah, be, no, I, I totally know like you if you hang it at 60 like, inches at eye level, yeah. do that. Like, ooh, that's really, yeah, I, I, yeah. I feel that. Um, mm. Not that it's always that, but with these works, um, yeah, I wanted them to be, especially the big works where I was mining, um, you know, lady painters were defined often, not so much now, but yeah, still a lot, um, by our bodies. Just women in general have been defined by our bodies and what they do. So for me to make a work that's way bigger than myself and to, and to stretch it and yeah, yeah. has a lot to do with finding my own... Um, 
mining my own history in that space that that was dictated by not women for so long um and and to find those models who were there that we just don't talk about so much or so part of it is i want viewers to feel also the freedom of a giant piece um and what it what um not really what it feels like but to see um and make inferences on who's making that piece and but also have their own relationship to it so the title you're talking about or the piece is called footnotes and um i keep a bank of titles on my phone and that had been in there for a while but i got it from a nail painter right, well, hold on wait, wait, wait slow slow on. so you so you like we'll just get an idea and think maybe that's a good title for a yeah. painting and just write it down yeah not so it like and then you'll later like match it to something and be like ah here's footnotes right usually, <laughs> usually it's less of a match and it's more of a um here's my bank of titles here's kind of uh, a group of titles that mm. seem to be talking about the same thing. Here's a painting that's 70% done, uh-huh. which title makes sense for it, and then sometimes the title allows me to finish the painting. I think that titles, it's really interesting like how powerful titles are, and I don't think, uh, you know, like when it, like in a song or something like that, usually the, ti- you know, the title's not as mysterious because it's mm. like the key line usually, you know, the hook right. or whatever. But with paintings and stuff like that, like you look at a painting, you have no idea what the title might be. You have to go like ask somebody or look at the card. It's t- a look whole at the opportunity. It's like, a whole opportunity to create yeah. context. And it's like, is this going to be a silly gimmicky thing or is this going to be a serious work of art? And the title alone can make all the difference. Yeah. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> It's true. I think a lot about, I mean, I I read a lot and I think a lot about language and um, what a word can do, what it can, like it's a context as well. It's an opportunity to, especially with, with, with more or less abstractions, it gives, it can give. It's huge with abstract stuff. Yeah. It can give viewers and yourself like a, a. an entrance into the work that mm-hmm. maybe otherwise wouldn't be there. Hundred percent. If we if we asked to see your bank of um, uh, titles on your phone, would would we be revealed? Would it be revealed to us that it's just like untitled seventy one, <laughs> untitled seventy two, <laughs> untitled seventy five? <laughs> I'm gonna call this one untitled seventy five. <laughs> right. I will say before I made abstract work. I mean, I've kind of vacillated uh, people. Yeah, between abstraction representation and all all that um landscapes um i when the work was more on the nose representationally usually they were untitled there's like a series of little like drawings of jefferson street that are really specific flat you can see flags and festoons and fences and stuff and that Uh work it didn't i feel like the title would have just given people too much yeah yeah yeah. so they were more untitled or yeah blue, blue flag or you know yeah, just that's a way to like keep an inventory yeah but, that's fascinating by me. i just actually i i just sent john sewell the last part of a four-piece poem i've written that has been getting published like serialized in the mm-hmm. salt weekly mm-hmm. uh zine mm-hmm. and uh that whole poem is based on a wikipedia entry the the uh what a glossary of pro wrestling terms i think is the name of the page uh, so all it is is a b c d all the way through z of just all this lingo in pro wrestling wow. so i've just gone through that whole alphabet and made four parts of a poem that tells the story about this guy who dies in the ring <laughs> and, uh, and uh it would be interesting to like i'm i'm really into this idea now of just like grabbing random lists and then writing yeah, poems from it's a them. context it's so, the same yeah. as using a fabric or, yeah. or and, whatever you hand me five paint five yeah. colors of paint and now that's all I can use and it's like oh awesome you can do right. anything because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I don't have to figure out which five colors I'm using except for the, <laughs> those colors can't uh, yeah it, yeah they have to transcend the like dollar bin at Jerry's or something right, yeah. hopefully or maybe not like, yeah 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 what's your least bin. favorite thing about um, being an artist or artist communities or artist subcultures Uh, honestly i am i'm an introvert and Uh um many of us are i think um the tension between showing up for friends and openings and being like awkward and introverted and saying like 
not the right thing like just that the the idea that we're we are an industry that is built on a lot of introverts a lot of solo makers and then we have this the whole if thing it's takes an place in social interaction takes place <laughs> at a party around these things that you've made so that yeah. that's that's really it, it's um, a recipe for disaster yeah always funny always awkward and i'm i'm liz lemon on a good day are you so. one of those that like uh uh, like um, especially in situations like that where if I'm having to bounce off the walls and talk to a lot of different people and make small talk at various levels of actual engagement or whatever <laughs> I can always like I have some weird reel that'll just be running in my mind later on the next day or something I'll be like did I actually say that to that person? <laughs> you know, like they yeah. must have thought that was really dickish or <laughs> like it doesn't, it, just, it doesn't happen in the moment I think I would have actually more social anxiety if I was aware of how stupid this shit is that I'm saying <laughs> yeah. in, like, in the moment but I have like a 24 hour right. delay on yeah, it so yeah, it just yeah. is like what is yeah. evolutionary like uh, <laughs> thing that your, your, your people early on like we're like no just do it we'll think about it later <laughs> now we can just text people like I did Joe once and say hey that thing that we talked about like that seems like I was really abrupt and but you know, <laughs> actually have done that before so. that's hilarious so yeah no it never yeah. happens to me use your handheld apology machine yeah. yeah, there was a, actually I did the same thing once too because I, I think I, I I had like ran into somebody and did the dumb thing where it's like, I haven't seen this person in, in like a while and I ran into this person and then called them the wrong name to yes. their face. Yes. And then I realized after, why did I call him Tom? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. His yeah. name's not Tom. And then yeah. I was like, hey man, I'm sorry. And it's like, oh, it, it's fine. Like I totally get it. <laughs> But yeah, he's so like, there, we all like, no screw. problem, Dave. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay, Jimmy. There are much <laughs> bigger things, I'm sure, that are my least favorite yeah. about yeah. this whole like ecosystem. Let's start some controversy. But Let's do that, this. That's one that we can. Um, Let's just raise some hell right now. I Let's feel do like it. it's weird. I Do-tons mean, I whiskey? feel like I get really. Um, I think. I mean, I do a lot of writing, and writing is just generally a very isolated kind of thing. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. you just. I can't listen to music or anything. You know what I mean? It's like I just I can listen to instrumental music, but but I but you're you're rather just like you and doing the work that you're doing is like pretty much all you have attention for when you're doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's like I also feel like when I get something like off my plate, it's like and it's been like kind of a bigger project or something like that, then I feel like really uh, sort of like too much of the opposite you know where it's like i really just want to like let loose and just like enjoy myself now Mm -hmm. and it's like i wish i could find like a weird like in between where it's like you're just sort of steady rocking all the time (laughs) you know it doesn't have to be this weird like push Mm -hmm. and pull but but at the same time like there's something about like getting really into something and getting all yeah. like really into it and it's like I love I love that to the point of like where you're so stunted but then you have to like re-enter <laughs> yeah. you have to re-enter your actual life again yeah. and I don't it gets listen messy. to music <laughs> in the studio anymore at all and at all not even Dark anymore. Side of the Moon when no I mean making, in the studio in yeah the studio. in the studio Just when quiet. I have decisions to make yeah. what about you do you listen to music when you're editing I oh man I guess you, I mean, depending on what you're working on. If I'm working on, I have certain music that I've used for a long time that is by a select artist, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, this German artist, that I'm, uh, ambient sort of composer that I've been to for a long time. Oh, I thought you were going to say Slipknot. And that stuff is so... <laughs> there's certain music I have that's it's not like, ooh, let me listen to relaxing music. Like, there's uh-huh. it's weird, deep pulsing kind of stuff but it's super obscured and it yeah. it sounds like you're walking it, I'll tell you what it sounds like it sounds like if you're walking down the sidewalk in a big city you know New York or something at 3.30 in the morning and there's still a club scene going on in a like a basement somewhere you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean but the streets are kind of quietish uh-huh. and you all you can hear here is just the faint like <laughs> and, and then just but, but then the immediacy and detail mm-hmm. of all the sound that's on the street it's that kind of contrast of sound. Uh-huh. The gas is the artist. Uh, this guy. Oh, that's Wolfgang right. Yeah, Void. Of stuff. But anyway, that stuff for twenty years has been my like my my brain like oil. Yeah, huh. it's just something where like, and I don't listen to it as I'm listening to music. It's just yeah, it's like a way for me to flip a switch, and then I'm and I've, I've <laughs> lived in that stuff. It, it's a lot of material, but I've lived in all of it for so long now. I've been working to it for so long that it's become part of just so in a weird way I, so yes I guess the answer is yes but it's very specific most of the time uh-huh. and then if I'm falling asleep I'll just listen to you know, like 
whatever your podcast Nigeria <laughs> Nigeria, <laughs> listen to myself talk Nigeria, on my yeah. podcast again Nigerian <laughs> funk from the 70s or something but, oh, gen- yeah, there you go. but but generally like uh, music is pretty important to me but I definitely have my spots where uh, what I do is actually Joe is I realized that the music has stopped but I don't realize it stopped 46 minutes ago kind of thing mm. like I just kind of snap out of a space mm. yeah, so sometimes I think music gets me into the space but yeah. then I don't it's but weird. you somehow are able to kind of forget it. Like yeah, it's, yeah. Once I'm just in in the zone. Yeah. I sometimes probably has just something forget. to do with deep work. They call it where you're huh. just super. Tell me about that. What is that? Focused. I haven't read the book, but I mean, is it like flow state type stuff? Or yeah, let's just talk about that. Like it's my favorite less thing. distractions. Do you have some techniques? Do deep work. I'm doing deep work in the flow state. Um, yeah. Have it's three like children and limited amount of time. That's my that's my suggestion. Say then what? you have three children with limited amount of time to yeah. get your work done, and then you, when you're in there, you really get to work. Mm. Okay. Note there to are self. other ways to do it too. Note to self. But that was. Uh, I think one of the main things I think that uh, that like that I find and it's it's completely unoriginal thought but it's real it works Weed. and I think some people feel there's also that <laughs> but the other thing is too is like if you like uh, like read any of Patti Smith's books or just see her in an interview or something mm. she always talks about when she like had her kids and she was like living in Detroit and she would just like get up real fucking early and go Tony there was no there was no like cafes or anything near where they were so she would go and she would get a cup of coffee at like the gas station essentially and then halfway home there was like a bus stop bench and she'd sit down on the bench and write while she was drinking her coffee and then she'd walk home and by the time she got home it was time for everybody to get up and she'd have breakfast for whatever she'd get on with her day but she's just like I oh, know you just have a baby and now you just you get up and do your work like you always did yeah. and it's different now and you gotta do things differently but yeah. you just keep doing it you don't somehow like you, you you know you you can't be a creative person and be a parent you know yeah. what I mean I think the difference too is like when you're older and you have experience really and you've done a lot of this stuff for a long time then you have you can quickly put yourself into gears and get going whereas when, uh-huh. but I think right. when you're younger you sort of measure your the value of what you're doing by like how many hours you uh-huh. put into it like dude I stayed up all night so complicated yeah. right but yeah. now like I think as you get older it's like <laughs> it's like you know what my best my best work happens between 5.30am and 8am and honestly even if I w- did have time to reapproach this right. it's not gonna you be that great you get to know your anyway. methods I, th- I was having a discussion with um, some friends around my dining room table. It was one of the pie clubs. I used to um, make a pie, a peach cobbler from this tree in my backyard by Daddy, and then we'd eat peach cobbler and talk about things while my kids were napping. Um, art things. So there were two or three. That's cool. Uh, people um, and one of my friends was mentioning just like the um, the maybe some things that had happened after being a parent that. Uh, they found in their work to be oh this this maybe uh, influences the way that I make work or I make work this ne- this way now differently than before I had children and um, actually Mark Scala he's the only man that's been to a pie club it was lovely <laughs> probably have more but shout out to my Mark. peach tree's about yeah. to die shout Mark's out to Mark our head for sure at the Frist Museum of Art he's amazing so he was there that day and he um, was really uh, it, he's also really gracious anyway but. In this discussion, Mark has a couple of kids who are grown, and um, Mark also has a, had a painting practice up until like mm-hmm. years ago, a few years ago. Um, but he said, you know, I think that, to your point, Brian, he said, I think that at a certain point in your making, you would figure out those shortcuts anyway. So it could be the parenting. I don't want to like miscalculate uh, what, what he said, but he basically was like, it could be the parenting and those con- constraints that you have, or it could be that you just know your work better. Yeah. It could be all of it. Yeah, it could yeah, be the yeah. Parenting, like, so whatever that is for you, uh, for sure, parenting is a, is a giant, uh, it's a marathon for sure. But whatever it is for you, if it's that, or it could just be that you're older and you kind of know who you work. Like you don't yeah. need eight hours when you can do three really well. Yeah. Or, yeah. And small windows of like <clears throat> iteration tend to breed or manufacture results in a way that you want even though it's not spending as much pretty soon i'm sorry no sorry so not spending all this time you know eight hours trying to figure this you know beating these ideas into the ground and not having success yeah or in the way that you want or whatever Mm -hmm. 
to just like have a couple of hours to just be like, yep, I, I this is what I got. I went down that train uh, or that that path, and then that was no good. But I figured it out because I only had two hours, right? As opposed to like uh, fighting against the the will of the greater reasoning of what I'm doing. Right. You know what I mean? For I do, I do. Thrashing yeah. against and the also, machine. And also, like yeah. your two hours is your two hours. Like you can't compare to someone else's ten. Yeah. Uh, or hours in general, I think, is a problematic way to talk about like making. It's but almost like the hours are the same thing as the inches on the map that you were mm. talking about. Oh my gosh! Whoa. Here's another thing too: is that again, this is like you know an argument <laughs> for consistency ab- above like you know like the dude i stayed up all night syndrome right it's like it's ultimately you're better if you if you just if you get a little bit done all the time mm. it's that you're going to be way ahead it's it's the turtle and the the tortoise in the hair tortoise <laughs> you know what i mean and the tortoise, tortoise. always wins <laughs> i have not always been team tortoise but i know he's not I so certainly flashy. am now <laughs> yeah. well, uh, jody i know you got to get out of here please tell everyone how they can see your show find your work learn all about you where you live what value you have in your house, all of that. <laughs> uh, JodyHayes.com and uh, H-A-Y-S. Two four-letter words, J-O-D-I-H-A-Y-S. And the Red Arrow Gallery shows my work here in Nashville, so you can see their website too. How long does your show tend up? Tend is up until September 7th. Okay, yeah, it's a very good show. Everybody should go see it if you haven't already. And, and you Instagram. should see it again if you haven't only seen it once because there's a lot to take in. Mm. Righteous. Joe, what do you got going on? You got you got a plug? I got some stuff going on, but I I really it's, it's too early to be sure. plugging too much. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I've got I've got some things coming up with my new postcard launch in the fall and mm. during the holidays, so that'll be in the offing. And otherwise, I don't really know. I don't know. It's not much to talk about. Go to NashvilleScene.com and read about the uh, artist space. Read about yeah. the artist Honestly, spaces. Yes. Thank Honestly, you, Joe. anybody's listening to this, please just go to the NashvilleScene.com and search for Joe's name, <laughs> and then you can sort all of his work across that publication Amazing. by his name and by date, and just start reading backwards. It'll take you a long time, but you'll really get a sense of, of how important. It'll take six inches. I don't. I, yeah, that's right, that's right. It's a long, slow six inches. I, it's definitely up the mountain. <laughs> right. I, don't, I don't call you Sensei Joe for for uh, just kicks, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that you you are an important person uh, here, and it's an honor oh, to do sure. this oh, podcast wow. with you. Well, thank sir. you, sir. Likewise, my friend. And I wouldn't say that. You do not just come to my opening. Is your yeah, <laughs> speaking of your opening? Is your show still up for the rest of the month? Uh, let's just say no. But if you really want to, you can see a facsimile of it and you can go down there. But ultimately, the setup was a little bit uh, elaborate because I'm very picky about my environments and no. uh, the sound and the image had to be a certain quality and level oh. and velocity that oh, they so, can't sustain. Oh, I see. So, so you're, you're, yeah, okay. So yeah. it's still there. But. but anyway, it was really cool. And if you go to, um, uh, can they see it online? Go to vimeo.com forward slash those drones and you'll see the piece. Cool. Uh, in its most uh, vague facsimile of a presentation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, put headphones on or something, whatever. Uh, hey, but that uh, so good. thanks again. Uh, Thank you and, so much. Uh, yeah, man. And let's do it again. Uh, the next time you've got like, you know, a couple, once you've gone <laughs> one more inch down the road. Thank you. I'm going to uh, need a break. Yeah. But. <laughs> All right. Appreciate everybody. Later. Okay, guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast. Click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast. And once you get there, you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level. You're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and and help us out again anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast click on support this podcast all right thanks everyone